أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والحمد لله رب العالمين سبحان الله العلي العظيم الحمد لله الذي أنعم علينا بنعمة الإسلام ونصلي ونسلم ونبارك على محمد النبي الأمين المرسل رحمة للعالمين خاتم النبيين المرسل فينا والشافع فينا يوم الدين يا رب نسألك أن تقسم لنا من خشيتك ما يحول بيننا وبين معاصيك ونسألك أن تقسم لنا من رحمتك ما يقربنا من طاعتك ونسألك يا رب أن ترزقنا من اليقين ما يهون علينا مصائب الدنيا وأحداثها ونسألك يا علي عظيم ألا تجعل همنا دنيانا وألا تجعل دنيانا مبلغ, مبلغ علمنا وأن لا تجعل مصيبتنا في دنيانا وأن لا تجعل مصيبتنا في ديننا إنك أنت الرحمن العلي العظيم ونثني الصلاة والسلام على محمد النبي الأمين Inshallah, we want to talk in today's khutbah about something that is as always present and urgent in the affairs of Muslims. And that is the the issue of representation and self-perception. The way that Muslims are represented and the way that Muslims perceive themselves. However, from perhaps a different angle and taking into account, as always, our current moment in history with the current affairs that we are living through. As I always emphasize, Islam is a living religion. Islam is not about idols. Islam is not about idols and dead, and dead symbolisms. It's not about artifacts. Islam is about a living God that lives with us and that accompanies, accompanies us in all our affairs and that is ever with us, present. And the minute that we forget the fact that God is with us in everything, we in fact forget the core message of Islam. We forget the imperative of godliness the imperative of uluhiyyah, of what God is and what Islam is. I recall 
years ago when I must have been um, at the beginning of my teenage years or at the end of my childhood. I don't exactly recall how old, how old precisely, but I must have been very young. And at the time, among the things that was quite common in the Arab world where I grew up where American comic magazines <clears throat> that I and my friends would often read. They were considered somewhat of a luxury in other words, they were highly desirable, but rather expensive. And they would be bought and circulated among friends and so on. And among those magazines, I remember there, I believe the name of the magazine was something like Sergeant Rock. And it was about a, a magazine about an American war hero in World War II who fights Nazis. And of course, that American war hero is always winning his battles. But for the same type of kids who today play war games, back then it was these magazines that attracted us and got our attention but i remember in these sergeant rock series i would read the magazine itself every now and then would have a few of its um, issues talk about a group of resistant resistance fighters who would turn out to be Jewish heroes aiding the allies against Nazi forces and after the battle and after defeating the Nazis, the Jewish heroes would wear their shawls and stand and perform prayer as the American soldiers would stand and watch them in admiration and gratitude. And at the time, as young as I was, it was unthinkable to me. I did not have a clue that this magazine could have very well spoken about Muslim heroes who fought the Nazis and lost their lives fighting the Nazis and stood in Muslim prayer after the end of battle. Of course, the magazine never did so. In fact, like so many people in the world, well into adulthood, it never occurred to me that a single Muslim lost their lives fighting Nazis or playing any significant role in World War II. Now, why is it important? Because the entire structure of World, world order that we have today 
is a post-World War II world order. In other words, the United Nations Charter, the United Nations, the current organization of world states, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, the Covenant on Economic and Cultural Rights, the entire world order of today was born out of the historical moment of World War II. And World War II had losers and had winners. And I always, like so many Muslims, always believed that Muslims were either non-participants in World War II or implicitly were on the side of the losers. In other words, they were part of the party that lost in World War II, i.e. with the fascists and the Nazis. And so basically, while those who created Israel and the Jewish people in, in overall were among the victors in World War II, Muslims were on the other side. The impression given by magazines, like this magazine that I read when I was so young, is a question of representation. There is, there are authors of this magazine and publishers of this magazine. There's an institution behind this magazine that made a conscious decision to influence young, impressionable minds with a proposition and assertion that Jews were on the right side of history in World War II. And that impression will have its ramification onwards. At the same time, I remember about around the time I was in, I think, 11th grade, attending the American School of Kuwait, I had a social studies teacher, an American teacher, who discussed World War II using an American textbook. Not only did the textbook not mention Muslims at all. But I remember distinctly that that teacher gave the entire class, although the class was being taught in Kuwait, an Arab Muslim country, gave the entire class the impression that Muslims and Arabs supported the fascists and Nazis in World War II. Although we never admitted it to ourselves and never discussed it amongst ourselves, as young kids, we all labored with an unspoken sense of shame that we were the descendants of those who supported fascists and Nazis 
in World War II. Now, why is this important? Because it is too often in the age of Islamophobia that Muslims are not conscious of the fact that their entire consciousness is a product of an engineered epistemology and an engineered awareness. They know what they think they know, but they know it because they were told that they know it. They were engineered the knowledge that they possess. The knowledge that they possess was engineered for them. And they are not aware of it. And therein is the problem. In fact, there is a major process of misrepresentation and false consciousness that bears upon the heart of what goes on into goes on in our lives today few people know that till this very day you can go to areas in Egypt and visit the grave sites of the hundreds, if not thousands, of Muslim soldiers who lost their lives fighting with the Allies against the Nazis and fascists in World War II. You could go to Libya and visit the grave sites of Libyans who fought against Italian fascists and German Nazis in World War II. You can go to Algeria and visit the grave sites of the thousands of Algerians who lost their lives fighting with the French against the Germans in World War II. In fact, a little told story, a story that is often omitted from, his, from textbooks and omitted from our historical consciousness, is that countries like France, not only in World War II, but even in World War I, badly needed soldiers. And countries like France had colonized numerous Muslim countries. Algeria, Tunisia, Mali, Senegal. So France made a simple offer. Muslims who fight, who join our army and fight with us against the Germans will be given French citizenship if they survive. So many Muslims joined, thousands lost their lives and those who survived were given French citizenship. But they were never treated as French citizens with equal rights. They were ghettoized and treated as subservient class, always suspect and always marginalized. 
Not only that, but after the end of World War I and the end of World War II, countries like France needed cheap, cheap labor to rebuild their destroyed countries. And once again, the cheapest labor around was Muslim labor. Muslims were hard workers and were silent about demanding their rights. Czechs, Polish, Italians were more expensive and more conscious about the rights that are due them due to them. So what France and countries like France did is that it opened the doors and fright invited Muslim laborers from Senegal, from Mali, from Algeria, from Lebanon, and said, come rebuild my country and I will give you residence and citizenship. And once again, Muslims rebuilt countries like France after World War II and after gaining citizenship they were again treated like second-class citizens with few rights, few entitlements. We don't hear about the long history of discrimination against Muslims in Europe leading, for instance, in 2005 to the mass demonstrations by Muslims demanding equality in treatment and equal pay and equal opportunities in employment. We don't read the numerous studies done about racism and the impact of racism in countries like France and how they led to the marginalization and ghettoization of Muslims and that Muslims are treated pretty much like blacks in the United States, if not worse. If not worse. When was the last time a Muslim was exposed to the image of Muslim graves? Of Muslims who paid with their lives to fight against Nazism and fascism and to create the world order that we live in today. How many of our children have seen or know enough to tell their school and their class and their teacher, you know what? Do you know that Muslims played a huge role in defeating Nazis in World War I? I'm sorry, in defeating Germans and defeating Nazis, especially in World War II? How many of our children have seen the videos on YouTube of Senegali and Mali and Algerian soldiers praying jama'a between battles. There are videos on YouTube of Muslims standing praying jama'a, very old videos, between battles, while the idea that Jews were heart and soul active participants in constructing the world order that we live today so that President Biden or President-elect Biden can say, I am proudly a non-Jewish Zionist because by saying that, he knows he's on the right side of history, or he thinks he's on the right side of history. 
in his mind all the images that constructed his consciousness percolate the images instilled in him from his childhood by the magazines of Sergeant Rock and the like are percolating there in the intellect. At the same time, we're absent, we're missing. Our children don't know about the videos of their grand-grandparents praying jama'ah between battles against the Nazis. They are not aware that without them, it is very unlikely that the battles against the Germans would have been won in North Africa, period, without the sacrifices of their fellow Muslims the fate of history would have been very different. They're not aware that there is a process of historical fraud being perpetuated against them in the way history books are written and the way that history is told and spinned because most of our children by the time they graduate from college, we'll hear about an Imam Hussein of Palestine who, having despaired that British colonialism will treat Palestinians freely, fairly, traveled to Nazi Germany to try to find a solution to the loss of Palestine by allying himself with Hitler. Most of our children will hear about that by the time they finish college. But they will not hear about the other side. The thousands upon thousands of Muslims who fought and either lost their lives or were wounded or maimed or survived playing a huge role in what became the world order, the dominant world order of post-World War II world order. In fact, let's go back to this France situation. is myopic to think that what is going on in France is simply an issue of freedom of expression or simply an issue of a misguided politician insulting a prophet. How many Muslims know that in France, the first mosque in France goes back to 1856. And that mosque that was built in Marseille was destroyed by an Islam-hating French mob in the French Revolution. And that the French, despite, after the French Revolution, despite everything they said about liberty and so on, could not tolerate Islam and would not allow for a rebuilding of another mosque 
till the 1920s. In the 1920s, a mosque was built in Paris. And here I come to a very important point. How, how many of us know that that mosque in Paris that was built, I believe, in 1925 or 1926 played a big role in resisting Nazi occupation of France when the Nazis occupied France. Not only that, The mosque in Paris played a role in saving the lives of hundreds of Jews when Nazi Germans were going around arresting Jews, sending them to concentration camps to be exterminated. Many of these Jews escaped to the mosque in Paris and the imam of that mosque would give false identity papers to these Jews, changing their status from Jewish to Muslim, so that they can escape from France and either go to another European country or go to Algeria. And that thanks to this Paris mosque, the lives of many Jews were saved. You can read about the story in a book written, published in English, called Among the Righteous. You can even read about the story in an article in the New York Times called Heroic Tale of Holocaust with a Twist. With a twist, what is the twist? It's Muslims who save Jews. Which again tells you the issue of representation. It's as if the author is positioning it as an oddity, as how weird. Why is it that when a mosque like the mosque in Paris, have played the historical role that it played, we Muslims are not taught that this is from the heart and soul of your religion. And the actions of this imam perhaps is even portrayed as an outlier, as a product of the heart of this one single person. And it wasn't, by the way. While when some Chechnyan 16-year-old kills a teacher, that's taken as a representative of the entire Muslim world. Representation, people. Representation. In the recent attacks in Geneva, there was a Palestinian kid called Osama Khaled Judah who during the attack, during the attack, acted to save a police officer from the terrorists. The police officer was wounded. Khaled Osama Judah, a Palestinian, saved the policeman's life risking his own life. And there was another Muslim guy, a Turkish guy, who saved the life of a non-Muslim woman. The actions of these two Muslims, the Turk and the Palestinian, was not taken as representative of an common Islamic impulse, was not taken as a representation, representation of what Muslim minorities contribute to European society at large. It was not taken as a sign 
of Muslim integration in European society. It was not taken as an expression of civic Muslim, civic values that are well integrated with the moral values of Europe. No. But the actions of terrorists, now that represents the Islamic danger, the Islamist problem, the ways that Islam poses a threat Representation. And where representation comes from, it comes from awareness and power. You can never have the power if you don't have awareness. Because you can have the means for power, like a lot of money. But if you don't have the awareness to know how to spend that money, that money will not yield any power. Awareness must precede anything. وعلى آله وأصحابه واتبعه بإحسان إلى يوم الدين I want to do something very unusual in khutbas I have been thinking about the legalities of doing this and I am convinced that it is halal and that is I want to play a video that is directly relevant to the issue of representation and self-perception. This video is not of a Muslim, but it is a video of Paula White, who I am told is an inspirational figure for so many Christians in the United States, and is an inspirational figure to President Trump and who is a spiritual advisor to President Trump, the President of the United States. Let's watch this video and then I'll comment on it. Can, can you come hold it? For every enemy that is aligned against you, let there be that we would strike the ground, for you will give us victory, God. I hear a sound of abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of shouting and singing. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. For I hear victory, 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 victory in the quarters of heaven. In the quarters of heaven. Victory, 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 victory. For angels are being released right now. Angels are being dispatched right now. Hamanda ata ata raka te de baka sanda ata ambo osa tata rite eke banda ata rite didi ashata. For angels have even been dispatched from Africa right now. Africa right now. Africa right now. From Africa right now. They're coming here. They're coming here. In the name of Jesus from South America. They're coming here. They're coming here. They're coming here. They're coming here. From Africa. From South America. Angelic forces. Angelic reinforcement. Angelic reinforcement. Angelic reinforcement. Vika haka anda ata. Ora bata rata. Anda eke eke manda rasata. For I hear the sound of victory. 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 I hear the sound of victory.
victory. I hear the sound of victory. This is Paula White. I want you to imagine if this was a Muslim imam saying, strike, strike, strike against your enemies. I hear the sound of victory. Why is it that a Christian, an advisor, spiritual advisor to the President of the United States, can stand and make this performance and it doesn't become a controversy. In fact, most non-Muslims, most Christians can look at this and say, ah, this is silly. But if the same conduct comes from a Muslim, it's never attributed to silliness or some type of psychological failure. It is attributed to a failure of Islam itself. Notice the blatant racism in the performance. There are angels coming from Africa. And how do these angels express themselves? They express themselves through speaking in tongues. Ata, rata, mata, kata. You can't be even troubled by learning proper African languages. But simply the utterance of gibberish, the way a child imagines Africans speak. But even that racism doesn't raise an eyebrow, doesn't make anyone pause, and doesn't attribute that conduct to a defect in Christian theology, or the Bible, or the life of Jesus, or the life of the disciples, or the history of Christianity. But the minute you see anything wrong, done by Muslims, even Muslims themselves, start faulting the nature of Islam, the history of Islam, the seerah of the Prophet, the number of people that email me saying, I am so troubled, my face is shaken because I need an answer for this that went on in the life of the Prophet or that that went on in the life of the Prophet. It is not enough for them. It is not enough for them that simply Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ Ya ayyuhalladzina amanu, sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allah and the angels pray on the Prophet. So you pray on the Prophet. It is enough that Allah tells me that this is a man of high moral character. If I have true faith, all the rest are details. But it's, it's a sign of the psychological defeat that Muslims suffer from. Is that everything shakes the foundation of their faith. Every little misconduct by a fellow Muslim becomes representative of a larger defect in the nature of Islam and the nature of Islamic history and the nature of Islamic theology. It is our nature to think that we are autonomous, independent, free thinkers. 
But I am here to tell you that to be a free thinker, a truly free thinker, it takes hard work. It takes an enormous amount of deliberation and education. In fact, 99% of Muslims are not free thinkers. 99% of Muslims are not free thinkers. Because 99% of Muslims don't work hard to be sufficiently educated to know how to think freely and not to have the world of ideas in which they live in constructed by the other for them. So that the, as if robots, they only react to what the other wants them to react to. I pray to Allah that that 1%, that that 1% becomes 5%, becomes 10%, becomes 20%, becomes 50%. Because the day that 1% becomes 5%, the entire fate of the Muslim Ummah will start changing in material and foundational ways. Allahumma afu anna. Allahumma khfir lana. Allahumma arhamna. اللهم اهدنا لأقرب من هذا رشد يا علي عظيم Allah forgive our sins grant us a stronger faith اللهم يا رب grant us light and make us wash in beauty full with your beauty guide us to the path of wisdom and light and faith and truth and beauty يا علي عظيم أقل الصلاة